The first atomic bomb was dropped on Hiroshima. Over humanity! Fires of frustration and discord are burning. And Let us not forget for a moment the toils and efforts that lie ahead. They say that those who forget their history are condemned to repeat it. This is the History Lessons Podcast with certified financial planning practitioner Patrick Huey, author of History Lessons for the Modern Investor and your guide to financial wisdom in the past, present, and future. You ready? Good. Let's get historical. Historical? Yup. This is the History Lessons Podcast for the week of February 5th, 2024. I'm Patrick Huey, author of History Lessons for the Modern Investor. And if you're a modern investor seeking some historical perspective right now, you're not alone and you're in the right place. This week, we'll be talking about Punxsutawney Phil, Spinal Tap, and the Jobs Report. But first, the news. Last week, the economic stage in the U.S. resembled a quirky weather forecast, a mix of sunny spells and showers with hints of an early spring lurking around the corner, which was confirmed by that most famous of prognosticators, Punxsutawney Phil. The ISM non-manufacturing index rebounded to 53.4, signaling that the service sector was blooming like a patch of daisies after spring. With service activity sprouting faster than a beanstalk in Jack's garden, even the most optimistic economists weren't optimistic enough. Meanwhile, non-farm productivity rose at a 3.2% annualized rate in the fourth quarter, as if workers suddenly discovered the secret formula for squeezing more juice out of every orange. Productivity is up 2.7% for the whole of 2023, and since right before COVID, productivity has risen at a 1.6% annual rate, pretty close to the 1.5% average of the past 20 years. Non-farm payrolls burst into bloom, sprouting a whopping 353,000 jobs in January, the biggest growth spurt in a year. Core payrolls, excluding government, education, and health services, and leisure and hospitality, also grew, in this case, by the most since mid-2022. On the flip side, the ISM Manufacturing Index continues to wilt, contracting for the 15th consecutive month with a reading of 49.1 in January. But... Even here, was a sprinkle of optimism for various survey comments gave us some hope for a thaw. Finally, the Federal Reserve got together and did nothing. Okay, officially they took no action, but while no rate change uh, announcements were made, it is clear from the strength of the above data that they won't be springing rate cuts on us anytime soon. Springing. Get it? See what I did there? Interest rates are rising, and your annuity, purchased in the last decade, might not be keeping up, which means your financial plan may be falling behind. So if you own a deferred annuity, fixed, indexed, or variable worth more than $250,000, now is the time to review it and make sure it is doing all that it can for you and your financial plan. Let us help you keep your retirement on track. Introducing Victory Independent Planning. VIP turns complex financial matters into clear and confident solutions. So you can relax and enjoy retirement whenever it arrives. 
Get the Annuity Review Kit now. This complimentary kit includes a variety of checklists, resources, and ebooks to review the fees, features, and flexibility, or lack thereof, in your current annuity contract. It will even help you assess your overall investment goals and the people who are offering you advice. Get the kit today, because you can't teach an old annuity new tricks. To learn how VIP can help you review your annuity, click on the link in the show notes or go to victoryindependentplanning.com. That's victoryindependentplanning.com. Sign up for peace of mind today. Uh, Alexa, charge the Wayback Machine for me and set it to 1948 AD. Charging Wayback Machine. On February 7th, 1948, the Right Honorable Fifth Baron of Hayden Guest in the County of Essex was born in New York City. Christopher Guest remained active in the British House of Lords until a 1999 act removed most of the hereditary peerage seats in Parliament. Well, aside from politics, Guest became a multifaceted actor, director, writer, and musician known for his unique contributions to comedy in the country of his birth, where he holds dual citizenship. With a career spanning several decades, Guest has left an indelible mark on the entertainment industry. He first gained prominence, as you may remember, as part of the ensemble cast of This Is Spinal Tap, a mockumentary masterpiece that showcased his improvisational skills and comedic genius. Guest's signature mockumentary style continued to shine in films like Waiting for Guffman, Best in Show, and A Mighty Wind, which he not only starred in, but also directed and co-wrote. His films often feature an ensemble cast and explore the eccentricities and quirks of various subcultures, always with wit and charm. Guest's ability to blend satire and genuine human emotion has earned him deserved critical acclaim and a dedicated fan base. His contributions to comedy cinema have solidified his legacy as a true pioneer in the genre. Well, In recent weeks, stock markets, at least the S&P 500, have not waited for Guffman or anyone else as they charged into record territory. And I quote here, the numbers all go to 11. Look, right across the board, 11, 11, 11, and... So the question is, does this one go to 11? Maybe, But the best in show remains stubbornly entrenched as the major tech giants again lead the markets higher with their impressive earnings season. Perhaps the good news is that signs of a broadening are embedded even in those earnings reports. It isn't just AI providing the mighty tailwind in Q4. And economic growth remains decent, which may serve to float all the rest of the boats for a while. In the words of Spinal Tap's Viv Savage, Quite exciting, this computer magic. Wayback Machine disengaged. Returning to the year 2024. Finally this week, it's on to the mailbag. You've got mail. And this week's question of the week was, whoa, what just happened with the monthly jobs report and how is it going to affect my portfolio? Well, every month, usually on the first Friday, the Bureau of Labor Statistics reports jobs data. And last week, we got January's report, and it was a good one, demonstrating perhaps some underlying strength in the economy last month. And so the questions came in, what does that mean? Why is it not 
seen as good news among some of the news outlets that clients are watching. Well, to answer that and a little bit more, let's take a step back and look at the employment reports that are released by the government. Well, the data comes from two surveys, one, establishments, and two, households. And using a representative sample of 122,000 entities, both private and public institutions that hire workers, the establishment survey is best known for providing the monthly change in what they call non-farm payroll employment. So when the news says that the economy added or subtracted a certain number of jobs over a period of time, that's coming directly from this survey. Beyond this, it also captures data on hours worked and earnings with industry and geographic details included. Alternatively, there's the household survey, which samples roughly 60,000 eligible U.S. households, and it's best known for measuring the national unemployment rate. But also it looks at the labor force and employment, again, with demographic detail. Now, over time, the employment and components tend to track each other fairly closely. Both the surveys tend to run in the same direction, but divergences do occur. Employment estimates from both surveys are subject to sampling error, and the household survey of employment is particularly subject to greater sampling error than payroll survey employment because it has a smaller sample size, 60,000 less than 100 and what did we say 122,000 so basically half the sample size so when we're looking at short term trends in either survey especially month over month changes it's really important critical to factor in sampling error but guess what guess what news and media outlets never discuss in any government statistic that i am aware of sampling error Remember that estimates from the payroll survey are a count of jobs, while the household survey provides an estimate of the number of employed people. Kind of sounds like the same thing, but it's coming from different sources. And if a person changes jobs and is on the payroll of two employers during the same reference period, guess what? Both jobs would be counted in the payroll survey estimates. So that's where you can get another potential divergence. The household survey, on the other hand, will simply reflect one employed person in that very same measurement. If the rate of job-to-job movement changes substantially in a given time period, it potentially could impact trends produced from the payroll survey. Also, the household survey employment level is higher in general than that of the payroll survey, simply because the household survey has a broader employment definition than the payroll survey. So what does the data look like today and why does it matter? Well, the employment sector has undergone a lot of upheaval over the past four years. And recently, the trajectory of job gains has experienced a gradual deceleration over the past year, prompting a bit of speculation about the future. During the COVID-19 shutdowns in March and April of 2020, the establishment survey showed a loss of 21.9 million jobs. 
Since the, bo- since the bottom in April of 2020, payrolls have rebounded by 26.8 million, resulting in a net increase of 49 million jobs. While the overall job market has shown improvement, there are three sectors, other services, mining and logging, and leisure and hospitality that have yet to fully recover from COVID shutdowns. During this period, professional and business services, as well as education and health services have emerged as the standout performers, accounting for 28 million of the 49 million net job gains. So things are decidedly better than they were a few years ago. There's really no arguing that. But you'll notice, but you'll notice the downward trend of late in payroll gains. And this is a case where the trend is probably not your friend. Why? Well, we can summarize that by taking a look at the components that make up economic growth. And here we see that 67.6% of GDP comes from consumption or consumer spending, which and what happens when people are underemployed or unemployed and not able to consume at the level they did last year? Well, the answer is that economic growth suffers. And that's why employment levels are considered a leading indicator in the economy. They highlight issues that may be coming down the road. In this case, not only are we seeing a deceleration in job growth, but according to the recent household surveys, they show that over the past year, January through December at least, part-time job growth is outpacing full-time job growth. And that is an indicator typically that consumption levels may be falling as we speak. Or might be, because last Friday's job report was a humdinger. Uh, Non-farm payrolls increased by 353,000 in January, the largest gain in a year, and well higher than even the most optimistic of forecasts from any of the Pollyanna-esque economists out there. In addition, gains in November and December were also revised upward by a combined 126,000 jobs. That left unemployment at a low 3.7%. Now, is that a momentary blip of strength amongst what we just saw was a pretty pronounced downward trend? Yeah, probably. But here's why it matters right now. Because of our recent inflation woes, any signs of strength, even if it's fleeting, is going to keep the Fed from moving interest rates downward to be more accommodative. Cutting rates in March is about as realistic right now as that deadbeat cousin of yours getting an actual job. It just isn't happening. Forget it. And so markets are left to sift through winners and losers with higher rates or at least higher for longer than expected rates. And that creates investing volatility and it it then creates fodder for the 24-hour news cycle. That's why the employment report is so closely watched, even in the most normal of times, which these are not. I mean, I just told you that a good employment report may actually not be good news. Not normal. Well, my fellow historians, that's all for this week. Check out my book, History Lessons for the Modern Investor. That's still available on Amazon. And be sure to do all the social stuff. Like this episode, follow us wherever you see or hear your podcasts. Hey, give us a five-star review. We're available on Substack, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Till next week, when we'll take another rollicking romp through the past, 
and make an investment in your future with History Lessons for the Modern Investor. See you next week.